Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Chris O'Sullivan, who's the Assistant Director of Admissions at one of the Big Ten universities. Of course, we're talking about the University of Iowa. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited. How are you? John, my friend, I'm doing fantastic. I hope you're similarly well. I love hearing that title. You know, I love being a <laughs> mid-level bureaucrat. So it's it's always good to hear. But yeah, uh, go Hawks. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. When you meant title, did you mean Big Ten or Assistant Director of Admissions, Chris? Honestly, both, John. I, I love hearing Big Ten. You know, it's an academic alliance as well as an athletic coalition. But I, I God, that title, it, it, my, my personal title, it just, it feels good. It feels good to hear. <laughs> thank you for that. It's very affirming. Well, it's an honor and pleasure. And thank you again for being here. So can you provide us with an overview of what the University of Iowa offers its students in terms of academic opportunities and what sets it apart from other colleges and universities? Sure. Yeah. So I think we're obviously um, a tier one public research institution, which is not that remarkable when it comes to um, sort of the landscape of American higher education. But kind of what sets us apart is, of course, you know, hey, Big Ten, it's its own thing. It's its own animal. Um, amongst the Big Ten, we're, we're kind of a smaller school. So about uh, 22,000 students. So that that makes us a little bit unique. I believe we're the third smallest uh, Big Ten institution. Um, but we still have all of those incredible resources for students. Um, and I like to say that we're very much an arts and sciences school. So we really do straddle the, um, you know, fine arts, creative arts. And then on the other hand, we have the, this incredible like biomedical sciences infrastructure, a great engineering program. Our nursing program is uh, number four in the nation. Um, so we really do kind of straddle that, that line, um, 200 different areas of study for students. So truly you can wow. find anything you want at, um, 
at a sort of modestly sized institution. And and of course, when I say 22,000, um, that is objectively a large number of students. So, you know, I, I won't you know, split hairs on that. Uh, but but compared to Midwestern schools, a lot of other Midwestern or Southern schools, um, we are kind of small. So uh, I think that a lot of students like all of the resources that we can bring to bear. And at the same time, uh, you still feel like you can be, um, uh, you know, big fish, small pond, you can still meet people every day. Um, in terms of academic opportunities, um, you know, I'm our West Coast Assistant Director of Admissions. So there are uh, select programs that really are big for students um, in the national market. Um, and, and I think that the ones that I really like to highlight, I won't bury the lead on this one because I think that many of your listeners will probably be thinking about this, but English and creative writing. Um, we are uh, number two, I believe, right now in the nation for our undergraduate program. We're tied with Yale. Of course, rankings, as you know, don't matter. Um, it's all a facade unless they work in my favor, John. I'm definitely going to use it um, you know, for, for marketing. So uh, yeah, but English and creative writing, truly fantastic program. Um, we really make students unafraid to be creatives. Um, and at the same time, I think that we give them a really good background in uh, the business of English. If you want to be an author, if you want to be in publishing, et cetera, et cetera, we really do expose you to a whole bunch of different disciplines. And, uh, and give you the background necessary to succeed. Um, that nursing program that I mentioned, uh, really supported by our biomedical infrastructure on campus. So our Carver College of Medicine is a top 20 primary care teaching hospital. And it really does inform what I like to call a constellation of uh, medical or health sciences programs. Um, and the nursing program is really one of those. We take about 80 students every single year. I have some of my California students in that program uh, frequently. Um, it is selective. I won't. Um, I won't lie to you on that on that front. But uh, especially compared to a lot of other nursing programs in the nation, it's still accessible. So, uh, big big fan of that. Um, and then um, other things. Oh, our Tippy College of Business is truly fantastic. Um, the Papa John building on campus where the Tippy College is housed, it is large, it is imposing as a business program should be, um, and still, you know, modestly selective, um, but we do have a direct admit program uh, there as well. And, and I should also note for our nursing program, a direct admissions pathway as well. So um, those are just a few programs. I won't bore you by going down every single avenue, but uh, truly our arts and sciences across the board. Well, you're definitely not boring us. And thank you so much for the overview. You're a tier one research institution, Big Ten, which means so much to so many students. And I like that you talked about the fact that you're smaller as a Big Ten school with about 22,000 students, which is great. You mentioned some of the programs, engineering, business program, and the direct admissions program to nursing, just to name a few. And the fact that you are number two, I think you said in the nation in terms of English and creative writing. And I appreciate what you said. You want your students to be creative. And one statistic that I will add, Chris, is the fact that you're at about 90% in terms of your retention rate, which is a great statistic also to mention. Another thing that a lot of the students and their parents want to hear about, especially from a Big Ten school, is life on campus. So, Chris... Sure. Can you tell us about student life, their experiences at the University of Iowa, and what kinds of extracurricular activities and organizations can students expect to be a part of once they're on your campus? For sure. No, fantastic question, John. And, and I think, you know, at, at Iowa, we are very much... Um, 
about the notion that um, education and the college experience is not just academic. Um, that social element, um, learning to self-advocate, um, learning uh, about who you are as a person is absolutely essential um, to the college process. And, and that's why, you know, 600 plus clubs and organizations on campus, and, and I won't like sit here and say that that's unique for a large school. <laughs> um, many schools have a similar number of clubs and organizations. Um, but but truly, students can get very, very involved in a, in a number of things. Anything from uh, club athletics, um, intramural athletics is something that you can do, um, all the way to something um, as you know, seemingly low effort as uh, our sunset club. You know, you can sit uh, on on the top of the Pentacrest, looking <laughs> out um, towards the west side of campus um, at sunset uh, once a week, and you can watch the sunset and just hang out with a group of friends. So um, all of this is available. We have a number of living learning communities on campus as well. So this is really facilitated by our um, housing and residence life folks. Um, anything from business students, creative writing students, any number of identity groups. Um, actually, the University of Iowa was the first public university to offer an LGBTQ plus uh, resource center. Um, this was back in the 60s, so kind of unheard of at the wow. time. Um, and we've really continued that tradition as well. Um, so truly, uh, students are able to participate very holistically uh, across campus. Um, in addition, I think just physically, our campus is laid out very well. So it's so well integrated into Iowa City, into the local community, um, that students uh, feel kind of a seamless integration into um, sort of the art scene, maybe around town, um, into the culture around town. And there's plenty to do there as well. So you know, I, as a staff member, while I'm uh, firmly middle-aged and boring, um, you know, I, <laughs> even when I'm on campus, am thoroughly entertained, um, you know, football, obviously, there are no professional sports teams in the state of Iowa. It's wow. sort of unique. And for that reason, college ball is everything. Um, I was on campus a couple of weeks ago, and I was able to attend the Iowa Rutgers game. Fantastic. Tailgating is a big culture around there as well. <laughs> um, I found out very thoroughly. Um, and then I also, you know, a couple of days hence, I was able to attend a poetry reading at Prairie Lights, which is our big um, independent bookstore in Iowa City. So um, plenty for students to do. Student life, we find, is fundamental to the fabric of who we are as an institution. So I hope that wasn't too long of an answer for you. Not at all. And I love how you talked about the fact that the experience at the University of Iowa is not just academic. You're very mindful of providing so much for your students outside of those classrooms, on your campus, beyond your campus. I love that introduction. And the fact that you have 600 plus clubs and organizations, there's definitely something for everyone. So I want to dig into a little bit the application review process, Chris. So what is the University of Iowa's approach to the admissions process, particularly in terms of the criteria and factors considered when reviewing those applications? For sure. And and I will, uh, you know, th this is a little shameless, but I'll do a big shout out to my director, <laughs> Kirk Kluver. Great guy, especially if he's listening to this. Important that he knows <laughs> I, that. I I'm, hope he's I'm, listening, Chris. <laughs> I, I think he probably will. I'm a good soldier here, boss. Um, but uh, he actually, um, I don't know if he coined the term, but he likes to employ this when speaking with, with families and with staff. But we're all about accessible excellence at the University of Iowa. So um, we try and... 
break down any barrier that might exist between the, the, the student and us. We try and break that down and make the process as smooth as possible. So, um, you know, when it comes to uh, like criteria that we're looking for, the admissions process, we're very much an evaluative institution. So um, if you're looking at the world of the, the universe of criteria that we could be looking at, we're mostly just looking at uh, a student's transcript. Um, for a couple of things. GPA, I'd love to tell students that GPA doesn't matter when applying to college, but unfortunately, even for a very um, <laughs> evaluative school like us, it it's certainly something that we're looking at. Um, so GPA, uh, core coursework, um, those are listed very clearly on our website. Um, and, and of course, I think a lot of families come to us and, you know, th this is maybe just the college process in general, but they'll, they'll think that we're hiding something. And I suppose that that's maybe an invention of the media of sort of this like hyper anxious world that we live in these days. Um, <laughs> but, you know, students will think that we're maybe burying stuff. I promise it's all on the website. I gain nothing from hiding anything from you. So the core coursework is listed on there, the number of years of each subject that we're looking for. And then uh, test scores. We are a test optional institution. So if you choose not to submit test scores, then we'll be looking at um, a personal essay. Um, but it's, it's one or the other. So we don't necessarily uh, have to look at a personal essay only if you don't submit test scores. Um, so that's a little bit of the review process. Uh, the other really important element is we're rolling admissions. Um, so a student will apply. And then in about three to six weeks, they'll receive an admissions decision. And we're very, very proud of that process. Um, we have a fantastic evaluation team um, who just rolls out those decisions uh, pretty regularly. Um, and I think that's a big value add for families too. It takes a lot of stress out of the process. Um, if they have a meaningful and deliberate college list, I was going to be one of the first schools getting back to them. So I think that that's something that we're very proud of. Well, that's great to know you're rolling admissions. And Chris, when does your application actually open up for students to apply? August 1st, my friend, August 1st, and uh, we'll just keep rolling it out from there. Right. So you said August 1st, and then about three to six weeks after, they'll actually get their decision. That correct? is correct. Yep. Well, that's yes, great sir. to know. And it's a, it's really important for students and uh, their families to understand that a school like the University of Iowa that is rolling admissions, it's important to get the application in early. And so again, think about it, three to six weeks later, at the very beginning of senior year, you're getting your decision. Hopefully you get admitted. And so that students, you could go ahead and enjoy that senior year of high school. I also appreciate how you talked about the transcript and that everything is on your website, right? There's nothing to hide. And that's one of the reasons why we have these podcast episodes, because we want to give a voice, if you will, to the admissions office. But you mentioned that everything is on your website, the number of years that you require from each of the academic subjects. And of course, you're looking at the transcript to determine whether or not a student can handle the work once they're on your campus. You are test optional, but I appreciate you sharing that. If you're not going to submit a test, then you're going to look at that personal essay. Anything further that you want to mention about the personal essay, Chris? You know, it, it's essentially just, uh, you know, the, the common app essay. It's very straightforward. And that's just so we have an additional um, criterion that we can evaluate uh, for students. We want to give them the best shot possible. And if you're not submitting test scores as a metric, we want you to have your voice really shine through. So um, that's something we'll look at. I should also note, John, um, this year, uh, for the, well, this past year, we, um, we adopted a do no harm testing policy that we're actually pretty proud of, um, which essentially means students 
students can throw us a test score, even if it was, you know, on the ACT, a 19, may not yield any scholarships, may not be helpful for admissions uh, purposes. And if that's the case, we'll just remove it from a student's application. Um, Otherwise, just throw anything that you can at us and we'll see what we can do for both scholarships and admissions purposes. Hey, podcast friends, are you or someone you know in need of some custom college gear? Prep Sportswear carries a wide variety of college fan gear and apparel, including T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So whether you're getting ready to go to the game, hanging out on campus, organizing a college bed decorating party, or you're simply looking to build upon your college gear, Prep Sportswear has you covered. Check out our Prep Sportswear affiliate partnership link in the show notes for all the details. As an affiliate partner with Prep Sportswear, the podcast does receive a small commission if you make a purchase. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel that would benefit our listeners. And now, back to the show. Chris, I was curious, can you share the percentage of students that apply from out-of-state And does the application process differ based on whether or not a student is an in-state resident or out-of-state? Sure. Well, you know, I'll actually, I'll do you one better, John. I'll give you uh, raw numbers. So uh, for this (laughs) freshman class um, that we have on campus now, um, in-state applications, we had about uh, 5,400 of those. Um, So, you know, by percentage, it is our largest group um, is in the state of Iowa, which shouldn't be overly surprising for a flagship institution. Um, I believe that the actual percentage uh, of um, in-state students is a little over 50%. So we're still mostly Iowan. Um, And then for out-of-state applications this past year, a little over 20,000. So that's from all the rest of the U.S., including international. Um, And there aren't um, too many different criteria that we're evaluating. There isn't a huge delta between, you know, the requirements for, um, you know, in-state students and out-of-state students. uh, we have a pesky little thing in the state of Iowa uh, for public institutions, and this will big shout out to my friends over in Ames at Iowa State. We uh, we use the same number. It's called the Regents Admissions Index, the RAI. It's a pesky little formula that the state legislature, in their infinite wisdom, decided to hand over to us to use. And effectively, I, I won't bore you with the actual formula, but includes no, please explain like, it. I, I appreciate it. Explain it. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and and John, I say that I won't do it because I don't want to. Um, but I'll <laughs> I'll essentially say it's um you know uh, a calculation based upon test scores, core coursework taken, etc. Um, and students, uh, if they get a certain score, uh, two forty five for in state uh, students, and then two fifty five for out of state students, um, if they meet that level. Uh, within that that calculation, then they'll they're pretty much guaranteed admission to the University of Iowa. Um, I don't like to stress it too much for most students because as long as you're meeting your high school's uh, graduation requirements, much of the time, especially for the students that I work with, you're going to be good to go. Um, but not too much of a difference between in-state and out-of-state. We try to keep things pretty equitable, and um, and our model for scholarships as well really does. You know, certainly we're looking for excellence in academics, um, but not too much of a delta there either for in-state versus out-of-state in terms of um, subsidizing students' education. Well, we appreciate that. And digging deeper in terms of your application review, Chris, what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and, of course, any other related data? For example, if they submit their SAT or ACT scores 
And if a student falls lower than your mid 50%, what are some of the things that they can do to enhance their overall application? It's a fantastic question, John. I appreciate that. Um, We have, I'm not ashamed to say, we've gotten fancier and fancier. Um, we are we are definitely looking at a uh, more and more talented freshman class, um, uh, you know, throughout the years. Um, this past year, we were looking at um, a an average admitted student profile of about a 3.78. Um, so yeah, about a 3.8 level is what we're looking at for this year. And then the average um, ACT score, if students decided to submit, was about a 26, uh, which would be a a 1240 on the SAT. Um, I will say, though, that on the coasts, especially, we've noticed a trend of students going very much score optional. Perhaps that's a function of the pandemic. Um, I know that a lot of my California students just said, you know, especially since the UCs have gone test blind, why bother right. taking the right. test? So um, 55% of my students for this this freshman class uh, from California chose to be score optional. So they did not submit a test score. Um, so that makes us get a little bit more creative with our, our non-resident markets. Um, so I hope that gives you a, a good idea of what we're working with. Well, it definitely does. 55%, which leads to the point that that mid 50%, you mentioned that it was a 26 for the ACT. 1240 for the SAT, that mid 50% in terms of those numbers is skewed because that's based on only the students that submit their scores. So students, if you see those numbers and they're higher than what you're achieving at this point, first of all, keep trying and try again, but understand that that mid 50% is higher than it would have been if everybody, 100% of the students were submitting their scores. But again, only students that are comfortable with their scores are submitting. Therefore, those middle numbers are a little higher. So I hope everyone heard what Chris had to say and take all of that into consideration. Chris, another thing that students talk about a lot is demonstrating their interest. So what are some of the things that students do to demonstrate their interest in attending the University of Iowa? And does it come into play at any point in your overall application review process? That is hit after hit, John, with these fantastic questions. <laughs> um, no, but but I will say um, we do not track demonstrated interest at the University of Iowa. That said, any admissions officer who tells you that demonstrated interest is not important is maybe not being completely transparent because, <laughs> you know, I think that we really like forming relationships with students just as a profession. We like talking with students. You shouldn't be afraid to get in touch with us. And it's always good if we can put a face to a name, right? This is always a good part of the process. Um, Even if we're getting thousands of applications, like being able to, uh, like I have my core group of students who have chatted with me throughout the year and I love chatting (laughs) with students. I'm not saying it will disadvantage you in any way not to, that's okay. Um, But, you know, don't (laughs) be a stealth applicant. I always tell students, advocate for yourself. Um, So we don't track it formally, but um, we at the University of Iowa, I I like to think, are a very relationship-driven institution when it comes to uh, forming relationships with families, when it comes to our application process. So while we don't track it formally... 
If students reach out to me with questions, just introduce themselves, meet with me at a fair or a high school visit, shoot me an email, give me a call, shoot me a text. I really appreciate that. And and I can certainly help out um, functionally with any issues that you might be experiencing, any questions you might have. I'm happy to talk to mom, grandma, dad, grandpa, <laughs> brother, sister, you know, get in touch. We're always happy to do that. Um, but yeah, no formal metric. Um, but certainly we do want to make you more comfortable with the process and we do certainly want to want to hear your voice. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate the fact that you mentioned you don't track demonstrated interest, but you emphasize the point of don't be bashful, reach out, get to know your admissions rep and ask the questions, whatever it is, students that's on your mind. And when you do, by the way, demonstrate your interest by attending virtual events. If you're lucky enough to visit campus, if you're lucky enough to go to a college fair or pay a visit to the admissions rep who comes to your high school, all of that is helping you to learn more about, in this case, the University of Iowa, which could only help you in your overall college search. So digging a little deeper in terms of your overall review process, when reviewing applications, of course, from various high schools, as you mentioned, there's a ton from Iowa and a ton more from out of state. How do you take into account when one student school offers close to 20 advanced placement courses, for example, while someone else's high school may only offer five? What do you look at and how does it differ for these two types of students? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, I think, something that's um, front of mind for a lot of families is, okay, well, you know, my high school um, will only offer, maybe offer no advanced placement coursework, maybe offer no honors coursework. And this is certainly something that I encounter with, especially, you know, rural or underserved um, high schools. We are not going to put students on blast for not having access to those resources or uh, especially things like dual enrollment. Uh, here in California, where I'm based, you know, we have, um, and I know that you're also in a very, um, you know, high flying region when it comes to, uh, these, these courses that are offered, dual enrollment, honors, um, IB, all of that good stuff. Um, I, I will have students biting off way more than they can chew occasionally. Um, I'll have students taking a whole bunch of honors. But I like to tell students, really dispel a lot of the mythos around this. We are evaluating students in the context of their high school. And I think this is going to be the prevailing advice that probably you're giving to families that I know a lot of uh, my colleagues at other institutions are also yep. highlighting. Absolutely. You're, we're never going to disadvantage you based upon your circumstances. We're going to try to uplift you and read supportively when we're looking at your application. So um, definitely not going to hold it against you. But certainly <laughs> if I see a student come through who uh, you know is going to a, a school that offers 26 advanced placement classes, and they're not challenging themselves at all. We have, again, very specific requirements on our website. So if you're meeting those requirements, fine. But if you're looking to petition us, maybe if you're sort of on the borderline and, and you know, you haven't taken any, you haven't challenged yourself at all, that may be something that we are kind of looking at a bit more closely. But certainly don't feel like you're going to be disadvantaged if you don't have those resources at your fingertips. Well, that's great advice and insight. We appreciate that. And of course, there's many students that while in high school have an IEP, an individualized education plan. So Chris, can you explain what opportunities the University of Iowa offers students that may have had an IEP in high school in terms of helping to ensure that they continue to be successful once they're on your campus? 
Yeah, for sure. And and this is, a, I think, a concern that, um, you know, a, a lot of students, a lot of families who are working with an IEP um, 504 plan, you know, they, they may express some concern, like, how do I go from my, especially maybe if it's a tiny high school, how do I go from my tiny high school, a very nurturing environment into <laughs> this big, you know, institution that may not be overly right. supportive on an individual basis? Well, this is sort of where I think Iowa thrives a little bit because we're at that sweet spot in terms of size, in terms of student attention. We have a great um, uh, student disability services office on campus. And of course, because we're a public institution as a function of federal law and state law, we offer all of those accommodations and modifications for students. So um, that said, students families and and really the students in this equation need to self-advocate. The goal for us, uh, really in higher ed in general, is to move students from home with mom, dad, siblings, to get them into a state where they can self-advocate and be individuals on their own in society. That is the goal of American higher education pretty much across the board. And that's certainly something that we want to foster in students as well. So of course, we're there to help, but students need to self-advocate, um, bring in all of the documentation they need to have. They're required to have a meeting with um, our office in order to get all of these supports set up. Um, and then they can actually get priority registration for classes once they've met with our uh, our student disability services office. So um, it's, a, it's a very streamlined process. They're coached through, absolutely. But self-advocacy is certainly the tip of the spear when it comes to this process. Well, I love the fact that you're talking about advocating for yourselves, students. It's very important to hear that again, because I know that in high school, I'm sure you have a school counselor, teachers, your parents, everyone working together, hopefully, you know, for the goal of getting you through high school as successfully as possible. And not to say that you're not going to have people when you're in college, but certainly those supports are a little less. And so, yes, students, you have to learn to advocate for yourself more in college and visit that office of accessibility. You have to let it be known if you need extended time on a test, if you need a tutor, if you need help, go to the office hours, all of the professors offer office hours. These are things that you need to put into your day if, in fact, you need that extra help. So we appreciate that, Chris, very much. And what about students who intend to play sports in college? Now, I know that the University of Iowa, we said it earlier, Big Ten, rah-rah, and I love that. How does the process differ for student athletes? And what advice would you share with them in terms of what they need to be aware of throughout their recruitment process? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'll say, you know, my, this is not a hundred percent my province since I'm more mm-hmm. on the academic side of things, but there are a few things that I like to highlight for students. Um, first of all, we believe in scholar athletes at Iowa. We, you know, I'll, I'll be talking to families occasionally and I do not hold this against any student, but I'll, <laughs> I'll occasionally ask students like, well, you know, what do you want to major in? And they'll say football. And I go, okay, well, why don't we talk about, um, you know, your, your, um, your intellectual pursuits a little bit. And, and certainly I don't want to invalidate their love for athletics. This is, this is something that we foster at Iowa. This is a big part of the culture. Um, even if you're not playing sports is the world of athletics, um, at Iowa, Hawkeye sports are big for us. Um, couple of things that I do coach, um, 
be on the NCAA eligibility website when you're able to sign up for that. It, it is a process. Um, but when it comes to playing sports, especially for a D1 school or God help you, an SEC school, like most of those athletes are grown in a lab, a government lab. Um, so you do need to be prepared. You need to have all of those ducks in a row. Um, I'll occasionally speak to seniors and they won't know what the NCAA website is. And I'll say maybe uh, club sports are more your vibe, right? Um, so right. that's something to consider. Um, but make sure that you're you're there. Um, and then we each college or university in, in Iowa is included in this equation. Um will have its own way to reach out to coaching staff, um, hawkeyesports.com for us. It's a website where they can find more information, demonstrate interest, find contact information. Every school is going to be a little bit different in how they handle it. Um, but just ensure that you're following along with that process. Um, and, and the NCAA has very strict guidelines, especially for our D1 sports. So um, just be sure that you're doing your research. Um, if you have an extensive college list and you're a student athlete, <laughs> be sure that you're looking into each athletic conference. Be sure that you're looking into each school's requirements and that you're reaching out to the appropriate staff members. Um, important to note that until junior year, I believe this is still the case unless something's rapidly changed overnight. Yep. Um, we are not able to contact you. So um, if you're a, a, you know, a sophomore wunderkind um, in soccer and you're not <laughs> hearing anything, you're hearing crickets from the college side, that's because the federal government said that we can't talk to you. So uh, don't be overly upset, um, but certainly uh, just do your research is, is my prevailing advice. Well, that's great advice. And you mentioned a couple of different resources. And Chris, if you want to share any links with the parents, just provide them to me and I'll make them available to the students and the parents, of course, in the show notes. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I can't thank you enough. And Chris, before I get to the last question, I have to ask, is there a question I didn't ask today or a topic that simply didn't come up that you'd like to share with us now? John, I got to say, you're a professional, you're a gentleman, <laughs> and you made a great list of questions. I really think that we covered all of the bases, but but certainly, you know, all of my information I can provide to you as well. And if families have any, um, you know, questions, burning questions they have for me, they can feel free to reach out at any time. Well, fantastic. We appreciate it. And unfortunately, it does lead us to that last question, Chris, which is, what are your top three pieces of advice you would provide a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? For sure. And, and I'll go from uh, sort of broad platitudes to very specific <laughs> advice. Uh, but, but effectively, number one, probably chill out. Okay. Um, and, and I think that a lot of my colleagues would agree with me on this one. Um, there are a lot of folks out in the world who will try and get in between you and the, the college of your choice, right? Um, there's a lot of folks, this is not me trying to be cynical, but there are a lot of folks trying to make money in this industry. So they may get in between you as a third party and the college. Um, and a lot of these folks um, will benefit from a really stressful environment, right? Um, the media will inflate a lot of this. And, and certainly there is a lot of stress involved in the college process. But overall, trust the process, trust us. You're on the high school side, on the college side, your family. There are a lot of people here to support you. This can be a very uh, enjoyable process if you really sort of um, dedicate yourself to it. So it's nine months of your life, right? From the time that the common application, for example, opens and May 1st. And it may seem like the most stressful part of, of anything you've ever done so far. 
trust me, it gets worse when you're in your thirties, but, um, you know, <laughs> just, just go with the process, rely on your resources and chill out a little bit. Okay. Second piece of advice, uh, be deliberate. All right. Every year, especially in California, we have students who are making a college list that's maybe 20, 30 schools long. And I'm sure that, John, you you deal with this occasionally with your kiddos, too. Uh, it's a big phenomenon on the coast, especially. Uh, hyper-competitive. I want to apply to all these schools. I'm sort of shotgunning applications out into the ether and seeing what sticks. I really encourage you to focus on fit right? Um, and rely on your counselors for this, but you can also chat with us. Chase your interests. You want the applications that you're throwing out there to be predicated on academic fit, financial fit. Um, you want to do things very, very deliberately. I recommend a college list to this end that's probably... 10, 9 or 10 schools. And if you can do that, you know that any school you get into, you'll probably want to attend, right? So be deliberate. That's my second piece of advice. Final piece of advice, and we chatted about this a little bit when it came to accommodations, modifications, all that good stuff, but self-advocate, all right? Be at the forefront of the process. And I'm talking to you students, okay? Mom and dad, love them to death. Guardians, love them to death. They cannot demonstrate interest for you. You need to be the one that is driving the bus here, okay? I can't tell you the number of times that I have, uh, even for transfer students, a parent reaching out to me and saying, uh, you know, Johnny or Janie is very interested in the University of Iowa. And I'll go, well, why aren't they on the phone with me right now? So self-advocate, guys. It's, it's very easy to do. We don't bite. We're here to help throughout the process. Um, and it says a lot about you and your character if you're able to sort of put yourself at the tip of the spear when it comes to this. Those are my three, John. Well, those are awesome, and I love it. Number one, chill out. Two, be deliberate. Focus on fit. And of course, I appreciate how you talked about the academic fit, but also the financial fit, which is something that too many people talk about way too late in the process. And lastly, it's a theme that came up a lot in this conversation, self-advocate, right? It's it's amazing that you mentioned, you know, transfer students and parents for transfer students are still reaching out to you, which is fine. Parents are entitled to have questions, but where's the voice of the student, right? So that you really get a sense that that kid does, in fact, want to come, in this case, to the University of Iowa. Chris, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I can't thank you enough. The University of Iowa is obviously so fortunate to have you, as were we on this episode. And of course, I'm so happy, as I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the process. I do hope to have you again, Chris, in the future. Thank you for all your time today. You're too kind, my friend. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. And one last thing to say to all of the students and the parents, good luck to everyone with the college search. Best wishes. Take care. Go Hawks. That's right. Go Hawks. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding-to-storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. 
So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. 